Courage to Lead, episode 187. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Michael Lale. Michael is an entrepreneur and the president owner of Georgia Central Electrical, an industrial and commercial electrical company located in Atlanta. He's a graduate of IEC in Atlanta in 2001 as a journeyman electrician. And from there, he obtained his master electrician's license in 2010. Uh, Michael has been in management since 2005 with various companies. He was the operations manager at Georgia Central Electrical uh, until he purchased the company in 2019. Since then, he has tripled the size of the company in both revenue and employees. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Harlan. Good to talk to you, sir. Good to have you on the program. I know you guys are busy, so taking time out of your day is is a, a challenge, but I appreciate it. Honor to be here, sir. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right. Um, definitely, I want to talk about, I mean, you and I know each other. You are a client of mine um, and a friend, I think. Uh, I like to uh, to talk about how you got your start, how you got into electri- electrical business, right? Um, the decision to purchase a business rather than starting fresh on your own and everything. And then uh, how you've grown that company. So there's, I mean, a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff. Uh, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I want to ask you. These are Questions, the listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure, hey, if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Michael, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you, sir. All right, let's do it. All right, question number one, what is your favorite word? Oh, uh, I ran through so many. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite word is positivity. Positive. Good job. What is your least favorite word? Oh, uh, I think the word victim is a good one because I'm personal responsibility is a personal value of mine. So, so victim is one of those that I I don't care for. Good. All right. What turns you on? Um, hmm. let's see. Oh, engaging conversation. I can tell you that was, that's something that, uh, I don't know if that anybody else who talked to me would know that about me, but I love to talk to people who who have who can engage me in a good conversation, intelligent conversation. Good deal. All right. What turns you off? Ooh, uh, that would be probably boredom. I'm not a big fan of being bored, and I guess that goes right against that engaging conversation thing. But uh, I enjoy I enjoy being engaged. Exactly. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this one. Uh, giggling babies. Okay. Absolutely. I used to have my phone. My phone ringer used to be a giggling. Baby. <laughs> a noise that I think everybody, anybody that's not a psychopath, enjoys. Yes. That. <laughs> exactly. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, got a couple of those. Uh, uh, filing your fingernails. My wife knows if she wants to annoy me, she can sit down next to me and file her fingernails, and that'll that'll, that'll do it. Be insane. <laughs> All right. Um, what is your favorite curse word? 
Well, that uh, that depends. I think it's kind of contextual. Okay. If you're, uh, it really depends on the on the time. I think every word has its place, um, <laughs> and every one is my favorite, depending on the situation. <laughs> any 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 of them jump out as your favorite? Uh, well, I would start with the D word because it's it's uh, not so offensive to everybody. You can actually say it. It has uh, uh, other places that you can say it without without offending people, whereas okay. some of Completely offensive. Um, so D word, I would say it's probably would be the first one I would I would jump to. Because okay. it's not doesn't mean it's one I use the most. Just right, right. All right. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I I have a particular love of psychology, uh, and I started off wanting to do psychology when I was in high school. Um, and my wife has a bachelor's in psychology, and that's it, it's always been interesting to me. I would definitely, I definitely enjoy that. Cool. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, well, that's funny. The, the it would be actually part of electrical, uh, residential electrical construction. I would, as much as I love my job as an electrician, I would hate to do residential. Too Again, repetitive. It's boring. It's, <laughs> that's really like it. All right. Very good. All right. Question number 10. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, if I had if I had that opportunity, honestly, I've had a pretty good life. I've had a really nice life. I would actually say if he said, Hey, uh, you just left heaven, I'm sending you back, I think I would say uh, I'm good with that. Uh, it's, it's been that good of a life. That's excellent. Very good. All right. We're going to come back and talk about how you got your start, how you got into electrical. Uh, talk a little bit about your operations there, Georgia Central Electrical. Um, and at some point, we'll transition into courage and leadership. Right? Good. Cool. All right, listeners, we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Michael Lale. Michael, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day as the oper Chief Operating Officer, CEO, President, Business Owner. You're a busy guy. Busy, busy. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. Sure. So at, at what age did you know you wanted to be an electrician? Was that something you knew from an early age or? Well, it's funny. So you're, uh, you asked a question there ago about uh, what, what I, uh, other thing I wanted to do. I actually started off in high school wanting to be a psychologist and wanting to be a psychiatrist. Um, and in my first uh, year of high school, I actually geared everything, every class I had towards doing exactly that. But I had this weird class that I got thrown into that uh, was small motor repair and welding and, uh, and doing some electrical. And it was very simple electrical. It was hooking up a breaker and a switch. And 
and a light. And I did that, uh, I mean, literally a third of a class. And after I did it, it was, I was hooked. And from that point forward, I actually really wanted to be an electrician. I still love it. It was a good, it was a good fit for me. I still love it to this day. Even though I don't do a lot of it anymore. I still love, <laughs> I love doing electrical work. And so you joined uh, the IEC, right? And that's where you got all your training? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, companies, a lot of companies that we uh, that, uh, that are out there will put you through school just like the IBW does. They'll put you into a, a class that and pay for schooling, and we do the same thing. I, I put my guys through the IEC um, to, to give them some academic knowledge uh, against their field training, and uh, that's what I uh, did as well. Was that I went in the very first year I started, I went into through the IEC for four years, uh, learning the academic side of electrical while I was also working full time. Yes, very cool. Then you got your your journeyman's and then your master's license. Um, and when did you join Georgia Central? Uh, I joined Georgia Central roughly around 2015 uh, with a guy that I uh, had worked with previously. Uh, and we came back together. I was doing some work with another company, and he and I had some business dealing together. And he he was uh, he owned this company and wanted to step out of it. Uh, he still wanted to own it, but he didn't really want it. So he hired me to run the company, and that's that's what I've been pretty much doing ever since. Yeah, you're in operations, running everything, um, and that's when we met, right? When you were the operations uh, manager yeah. there, and running Short things. And I know I remember talking to you and, and there were times when you were frustrated because you knew the potential that Georgia Central had. You knew how the company could grow and the business you could do, but you kind of felt locked in a little bit, held back. So it, it was more than that because like, uh, well, unlike him, I did, want, I did want to see the company grow and I did see the potential for growth, but it was more than just that. At that time, I was, I, I had been, reading books and studying and, and as I and actually came into my, my love of psychology, just learning how people operate, but uh, listening to how the, uh, people could be treated in a company and that a, a good run company is a company that they, that people care about each other and seeing that the, that there's so many companies out there that are doing that. You hear about the companies like Google and you hear about companies like, uh, like uh, all the uh, companies that treat their their employees well, and to me that it never bled over into the trades, and the trades always seem to have this backwards, uh, this old uh, mindset of uh, get your guys to work as little as low price as possible, get them to do as much as possible, and fire them if you don't like them. And I really didn't care for that that uh, that mindset. I really wanted to have a company where where the employees wanted to come to work and that's the culture that we've tried to develop here and they wanted to be here and they wanted to and i'll do my best to pay them well and give them raises whether they ask for them or not pay them based on what they're worth not rather what they're willing to accept um and and without the without owning the company i wasn't able to do that and that's where that, that this came in was that i forced for me to get to run a company in that way, I had to actually own the company, um, at least in that specific circumstance. 
Yeah. And you had the opportunity. You could have gone out and started your own business in direct competition. Which, which almost which almost happened. I actually we actually had a, a little knockdown drag out argument and, and, and a couple of times. And then we had a couple of discussions about me. Uh, and I actually told him, turn in my notice. And it mm -hmm. took about a month of us going back and forth. And finally said, okay, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll, I'll just sell the company to you and, and we'll, we'll part ways. And that's, uh, and we're still, we still have, he still mentor, mentors me. Yeah. Um, we still have a good relationship, but it, we both know that this is where, this is the best way this could have gone. Exactly. Awesome. So you became the owner in uh, 2019, right? Sure. And, uh, about how big was the company at that time when you when you first took over? Oh, I think we were around maybe five or six people at the time. At that, it was uh, relatively small. Uh, it's still relatively small, of course, but but growing a lot since then. But uh, yeah, roughly five or six people. And, uh, I had one other office staff aside from myself at that point. And now you've got what thirteen. 15 people out in the field? Uh, I believe we're at 15, 16, I think 16 in the field, and now I have two other uh, office staff. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah, you guys have done some amazing growth. So when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Because that's that's a major step for some people, you know? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I never did. I never really wanted to be, uh, I never set out to be an entrepreneur because quite honestly, had I had the opportunity to do what I wanted to do. And if I would have been given the opportunity to do what I wanted to do and somebody else on the company, I would have done it. And I would have been perfectly happy doing it that way. The money has never been a, a driving factor. Uh, owning a business has never been a driving factor. Uh, but the being able to build something like this is, it's, it's what I wanted to do. He would have been making all the money as a result of me building it. I would have been perfectly fine with that. It, but the, but even to this day, if somebody else owned the company, I, I could be, I would be perfectly happy with that so long as I could still build it and, and build the people I want to build and build the business I want to build. It, it is not a necessity in me owning it. Yeah. But you love being the practitioner too. You like getting out there and doing things out I in do. the field. Yeah. yeah the, so every, uh, every day that I'm able to go out and, and work in the field, I'm happy, even if, Part of the job is still going out to do uh, quotes and some troubleshooting and some uh, some amount of consulting. All that I still really do love, and I do love the relationships. But nothing ever tops uh, just being able to do the physical labor. Uh, going back all the way back to my high school years of just flipping that switch and seeing the light come on. Yeah. Um, it's much more complicated now, but but still, there's nothing that that. Uh, tops that feeling of being able to do the physical work and seeing your seeing the fruits of your labor at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah, and you're a troubleshooter too. You like those, you know, situations where they go, we're not sure exactly what's wrong, right? Oh, oh yeah. In. yeah. My, fa my favorite <laughs> thing for somebody to tell me is here's a problem, just go fix it. I don't know yeah. what the problem is. Here's a problem, just go fix it. That's absolutely sure. my favorite day right there. That's awesome. And so you're you've built a good culture at Georgia Central, and, and you're continuing to build that culture. What What's the foundation for your culture? What are your, you base that on your core values, right? 
Yeah, so so we've set out, and you and I actually did this uh, early on, going in and setting out what our core values are. And I would say uh, you and I have been trying to uh, trying to articulate this even even to this day. I think is the, the idea of just teamwork, mm-hmm. um, being looking out for each other. And I think we probably went through uh, five or six different iterations of the same worry, the teamwork, or we look out for each other, or uh, or we stand behind each other, but I can tell you that going to work every day, and you know, we have to have a safety culture. But being able to look out for everybody, each other's safety, but also this—it's the some of the guys are willing to work extra hours because somebody's sick, and somebody's willing to work um, uh, extra so somebody can go home. Uh, that's all that kind of plays into it more than anything else that w- that we're we look out for each other, not just each other, but the client as well. Um, and, and even so far as the vendors, uh, which I, is a little outside of the scope of most of the trades, but we, we want to treat our vendors well as well, uh, not ever allowing them to feel like we're, they're being taken advantage of. So, uh, yeah, that teamwork part of it is, uh, it, it encompasses a lot of different, uh, different I, uh, ideals, but, if you had to sum it up, that would be the way I would sum it up. It's just teamwork. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've got a good team out there doing the work for you. As a as a business owner, how did the pandemic impact you guys or did it impact you? So it was weird how it impacted us. It was we we had a uh, a lot of jobs that we were we had scheduled just died right there. As soon as they as soon as the pandemic hit, we couldn't do anything. We had several jobs canceled, but in the process of those jobs canceling, there, there was other jobs that popped up that we were uh, we were able to get a hold of, and, and, and it was just uh, jumping from one foot to the other and all that was. It was once they uh, once they said, "Well, we don't need you to do this job, but these lights, these uh, UV lights, these uh, the, the signage that we need to put up." The, all the different little things that came along with the pandemic, we just rode right into that instead of the original work. And then the original work after about six, eight months all came back. So we actually ended up having better years during the pandemic than we did before. That's awesome. Um, And how do you find clients? Mainly through referrals or are you going out selling? How do you do that? Well, (laughs) I don't have to sell at all at the moment. The, uh, it does seem like, and I'm trying to remember who said it. They said, once you, uh, I think it was Jim Collins. He's a, he's a, if you get everything going in the right direction, you'll sooner die from indigestion of too much opportunity than you will of, of starvation or not enough. And that's been the way it's been working is that, that uh, the opportunities have been uh, jumping at us. They've been, they've been just rolling in because we've been trying to take good care of our clients. And it is a, it is a sincere belief that we want to take care of our clients and we want to take care of each other. And once all that kind of seemed to go, uh, start getting in place and we started hiring people with all those, that, that culture fit in mind, then, uh, and, and the clients picked that up, they were anxious to get this work. It wasn't, we didn't have to ask for it. We didn't have to, to sell ourselves. They literally are just saying, if you can handle it, it's yours. Um, I've had uh, no uh, quite a few clients that have 
that have given us work and, and turn around and said, hey, uh, we also operate in this area. So if you ever expand, I'll kick the other guys out and put you in there too. Nice. So, uh, and, and that's not just small clients. That, that's the, the hobby lights, Home Depot. Those are guys that, that have, uh, have said that to us. And so we are growing as fast as we can. Uh, buying clientele isn't the issue. It's also it's just been finding employees. Yeah, well, some businesses struggle finding clients. Your struggle is finding good qualified employees, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm not alone in that. The whole trade is short on, on, on finding good qualified employees, but it definitely has been a struggle for us as well. Um, the, just finding people that, and it isn't just the skill set. Um, it is, it is the attitude too, because there is a pervasive attitude right now that what can you do for me? Uh, type. Attitude that we have to sometimes work out of uh, some of the employees, uh, some of the team members, but the uh, finding people who can do the job, have the skill set, as well as people who who share our culture and share our values, that's been really, really powerful. Yeah. So we've actually had better luck up to this point. Um, uh, more often, finding people that are that share our values first. And then training them, yeah. and we had we've come up with some very phenomenal young people. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's a there's a lot of complaints about the young people and that mentality right now. But they're, they're some of the best, uh, uh, most impressive people we have are people that are in their early twenties uh, and even teens. Mm -hmm. That we're uh, we're just able to find those, pick those needles in a haystack, and then and then try to bring them in, make sure they enjoy their job, and then train them up in the field and they're, they're, they've been they've been phenomenal nice and then a lot of apprentices right people who are, are learning to be electricians you bring a lot of those in and, and get them trained up too oh yeah and that's that's it that's the young people that's the ones that we uh we hire in and we actually created a lighting division i actually created the lighting division with the thought in mind that they were going to be uh that the lighting division was going to be not if profitable, it'd be very marginally profitable. Mm -hmm. But I, I designed it with a thought in mind that I would just have be able to pull apprentices in um, and have a lot more apprentices to pick from. Mm -hmm. Lighting vision's done very well, though. Mm -hmm. And we still have that. We, we've been able to get apprentices. We're still having the problem of not not being able to get enough people in, but it's but it's definitely helped. Yeah. And why why do you think people stay away from the trades? I mean. Uh, you see so many, you know, high schools push college, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go to college, get your 40 year degree. It used to be go out and get a trade. So you'll never be unemployed. And now right. it's like, go get an education and then hope for the best. And I think that the end of that era was probably as I was coming up because I did hear uh, my, my dad uh, did sheetrock on his own sheetrock company for, for as long as I can remember. Um, and he always told me that not to do that. <laughs> and once he took me out of the job, I learned I did not want to do that. So uh, he said, yeah, you don't want to do sheetrock, get your trade, find a trade that you like and, and get into that. And that's what I did um, uh, and, and got into that. It, and after that, the uh, I started hearing uh, the same thing go on, the, the change go on where people went from uh, get a trade to, get into computers or mm -hmm. get into 
And I did hear that when I was in high school as well, but it wasn't nearly as pervasive as it was in the, in the several years, a decade beyond that. Um, and and it does seem like it's just definitely more appealing to be able to sit in the air conditioning, sit behind the computer versus going out there and physically work. Um, and it seemed more appealing to me as well until I actually did it. <laughs> and, then I, and then I realized I don't want to do that either. So, uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that are that they just work under the assumption that uh, without going to college, you just can't have a, a good career. But with the demand that the trades have right now, mm-hmm. you've got not only a secure job, but a good living. It, it does offer a, a nice living for, for people, uh, field employees, and also a lot of uh, latitude for lateral movement. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you wanted to be an electrician, for instance, coming into it and doing something that that is uh, high paced and, and repetitious. You can get into that if you want to do something that's that you're doing a lot of sitting and working behind the computer. There are parts of electrical that are that are uh, that until that. Uh, I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. It, it you really can get into just about anything you like from from a trade. Yeah. There's a ton of it out. Yeah, a lot of opportunities out there. And there are a lot of people, you know, you, you hear about these millionaires. Well, there are a lot of people in the trades that own their own business that are millionaires. You, oh, know, yeah. you can do it in the trades. Um, and all it takes really is you have to apply yourself or be willing to be trained. Well, I, feel, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but they did. Uh, there was a statistic that the vehicle that the millionaires most often they own, often own were uh, F-150s because it was the people in the trades that were working for themselves that were that were uh, building business by themselves and uh and picking up money that way uh entrepreneur entrepreneurs that picked up money that way instead of the traditional working in executive office absolutely so talking about courage where did you find the courage to decide I'm going to buy the company and I'm going to do it my way. A lot of people, like you said, would have been fine just being an employee, letting the business owner take the risk and put their neck on the line and take all the financial hits and everything like that. Where did you find that courage to say, no, I'm, I want to do this my way? So I know there's a lot of uh, different types of, of courage as you talk about. Um, and I would think Every one of them has a place, but I would think the ability for, uh, I think would be intellectual courage, the ability to, to learn new things would probably be the most uh, important there. Um, and I would also say there's some amount of resiliency that I would definitely put a, put it there. And my mother was a good, uh, my mother uh, being a single mother that I, I grew up with, uh, a nurse, very, very small pay, us growing up, she was a very resilient woman. So I was always really impressed with her. And I learned resiliency through her. And that, what I would, I would say, was another part of this that that is needed to to uh, open and own a business, uh, as well as just uh, like I said before, trying to. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever read uh, the book, The Evening, that teaches you that. Uh, just because you're a good electrician doesn't make you a good business owner. So you've got to learn that that you don't just because you're uh, a good electrician 
doesn't mean you're going to do well running a business or a good cook or a good uh, whatever you are. It doesn't mean you're going to do well running a business. So being able to to learn new things and knowing that you've got to learn new things is another uh, really big aspect of, of uh, opening a business and being an entrepreneur. Okay. Well, and I know you're a big reader. You like to read. You've got a lot of books and you seem to have like an eidetic memory to where you just re recall these these facts and everything from the books. Um, what are some of the favorite books that you've read that, that you've drawn a lot of insight from? Oh, if I had to guess anything by Jim Collins, um, I think I started off with. Uh, so Jim Collins has, has several, several great books. Um, and I would say the, the BE 2.0 Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 book was uh one of the most influential ones for me, but Good to Great was is his most popular, and that's a great book. Um, I actually started off with um, uh, so the Seven Habits book, uh, Stephen Covey, and he was, and that one led me into all pretty much everything else I've read since then. Uh, another one by Daniel Lawton, uh, I remember the name of that one, but he, Daniel Lawton's a good author. Uh, that uh, I would suggest as well. Uh, but there's a lot of them out there. Uh, Simon Sinek's another great one. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you like his style of uh, writing. Um, and uh, Patrick Mancioni is another great one. Right. But yeah, there's a lot of different ones that I would, I, I could point to that I would say are, are good, good influential books. Yep. And I know they play a big part in, in your leadership style, forming your leadership style, and the way you work with your teams. Um, what do you think makes for a good leader? Well, uh, believe it or not, I think humility would probably be the very first thing I would put on any leader. Um, the, the, the ability to, know, to say, I don't know, um, somebody else knows better than I do, um, not being overly controlling, uh, which is, this is a form of narcissism, um, believing that you can't, that other people can't do as well as you, you can, um, but that all that, I, I would say humility would be number one. Um, and oddly enough, the, the counterpart of that being self-confidence, being able to, to, uh, know that if something goes wrong, it's, that's not you. That was just something that went wrong. There's nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with you, but. Uh, being able to, and uh, again, back to that resiliency thing, uh, knowing that you're going to, you're going to screw it up. Uh, mm -hmm. I have many, many times. Um, and, and, uh, if you ever look at, so I, I've seen these diagrams where people say, people think that failure was one day you start next day, you're a success. Um, the, the way to fail, the way to success is fail, fail, fail again, fail some more. Right. And then you're successful. And everybody at that point believes you're an overnight success. So exactly. that, that, that's where that resiliency comes from is, is failing, being able to fail many times, but being able to get back up in the morning and go back and, and hit again. Exactly. So what are some of the big lessons you've learned as a business owner? Oh, uh, well, as much as I, I love patience, Sometimes a, too much patience is, has been my, my weakness. Um, learning the, when to, to call it quits. For instance, if you have a, an employee that, that uh, isn't doing what they need to do, being able to tell, knowing when to, to stop that. 
or knowing that a customer is, for instance, is uh, not uh, not a customer for you being able to cut ties with a customer. I think, uh, let's see, uh, there are several books that talk about pruning, uh, mm -hmm. pruning out customers. In fact, Clint sure. has one that talks about that and uh, necessary endings, or no, that's uh, Henry Cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Mike Kalowitz has one uh, that, ha that talks about that as well, uh, paying attention to what's doing well for you, paying attention to what's not doing well for you, sure. and focusing on, on that uh, Pareto principle, the 80-20, mm -hmm. uh, the top 20%. Yeah. So uh, I would say if I had to say anything, the biggest lesson I've learned is that I'm never going to stop learning. That, nice. that every day I'm going to find something else that I can do better, that, uh, that, that uh, I have to just take responsibility for it and continue moving forward. Nice. So that's one of your strengths as a leader. Um, what's one of the biggest weaknesses? You talked a little bit about being a little too patient, maybe not wanting to con confront. Yeah, employees. and that, that has some selfishness to it because I don't like firing people, um, yeah. as nobody does. But uh, avoiding that pain, um, sometimes I'm sacrificing the, the, my company and in effect of sacrificing the people in my company because I don't want to fire somebody that really, really does not belong with the company. Whether it's their fault or not, it should not, uh, the rest of the company should not bear the weight of somebody who doesn't belong with the company. I would say that was probably my single greatest weakness is, is that right there is just uh, knowing what to to cut, cut those ties. Yeah. And that's difficult for everybody, you know, at, at first. Um, like we talked about, if, if you can build the culture and the company that these are, you know, the expectations, here's the processes we go through and how to follow those processes, the expectations of people. If they don't meet the expectations, that's just a conversation. And it's like, you know what? I don't think this is working out. You obviously know this isn't working out uh, part ways. You can save them some time. They can actually go and be successful somewhere because there's a place for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, it's building up that, I don't know, that muscle, I guess, uh -huh. you know, to do what's, what's needed. And that's, wow. that's part of the, the moral courage and the social courage, right? Doing what's right and saying what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Oh, yeah. yeah. That moral courage part is, a, I would definitely say, plays a huge part in business. Um, because that, that's one of the things that we, that, that you and I have talked about a lot is just uh, uh, moving forward, even though it's sometimes it's just not comfortable yeah. uh, doing something that, that doesn't always, uh, doesn't always feel good, but it is what needs to be done. Yeah. Like I said, there are no overnight successes, right? It's all those little failures, those little stumbles you learn from and you get better and you keep moving forward. So. It's good stuff. If I was to bump into any of your employees, current employees, and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? If I, I somebody said about me one time, uh, and it was actually the old the, the person about that was that owned this company before me. He, he said, uh, "He said there's a lot of, I don't like about money, but." He said, there's one thing that you can never say. You can never say that he doesn't care about his guys, uh, his people in the field. So I would say if I, the, the, I'm, I'm a caring leader, I do care about the people. I do care about their personal well-being before I care about the, the, 
profits of the company or, yes. or even the well-being of the company. I want the, the people in the company uh, to, to enjoy not just their, their job, but their lives in general. And we do everything we can to, to make sure that we facilitate that. Every bit as much as possible, I want to facilitate the, the just enjoyment in their lives. Um, so yeah, if I if I had to guess, that that's where I think that would go. They may just tell you I'm able and, <laughs> and go on with life, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> no, I I don't think that at all. I think you've got a good crew, you've got a good team out there doing the work for you and everything. Um, and I like the way that you treat them. You you think about them outside of work too, right? You you own some property uh, a little bit south of where you guys are located. Uh-huh. Um, tell me about the the goal for that property you had. So that that property has gone through several goals, but it all has always been around specifically so that the guys can have a have something uh, that they can use that they don't have to maintain or pay for. Um, and again, that falls back into trying to improve the lives of the of the guys here. Um, so it's not just that we you know we put uh, a four wheeler on the property, a UTV on the property, a camper on the property. Um, a, we bought a boat all for the camp for the guys to be able to use so that uh, they don't have to go through the process of, of buying it, having to have, have insurance, having to maintain it. They can have it without having to fork out the money to do it. Um, and, and that's where, again, it goes back into trying to improve the lives, improve their day-to-day lives, not just their lives at work, but their lives outside of work as well. Uh, uh, property being it's just something they can go down there where they want to they like to hunt if they like to shoot if uh, if they like to uh, camp if they like to ride four-wheelers all that's available to them without them having to to, uh, spend their hard-earned paychecks on and it's nice that's not just a, a reward for doing something this is available to any of them anytime right right Yep. It's, yeah. awesome. it's a benefit. It's a benefit just like any other benefit in the company. Um, yeah, they don't have to pay taxes on it. They don't have to pay uh, pay for it. They don't have to do anything except go go use it and take nice. care. That's it. Very cool. That's, that's that's awesome. Love that. So, if you had the opportunity to do things differently, would you would you still go? Would you maybe change and decide to go into psychology, or would you? You like where you're no, at. no. I, I again, I've had a pretty awesome life. I've, uh, I, I would probably, if I had to go through everything I've been through to get here again, I'd do exactly the same thing. Um, I, I've had, it, it's been that successful on a personal level. Um, I don't make nearly as much money as a, a lot of other people do, but, I, but on a day to day basis, I, I love life and I make more money than I ever thought I would as a kid. So I'm, um. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing from what I'm, uh, how, where I end up. So what's next for you guys? I mean, like you said, you bought the company in 2019. You've almost tripled in size in, in annual revenue, the size of the team, uh, number of vehicles you're running. Um, what's next? <laughs> you may remember, we actually made goals for ourselves that were five-year goals that we hit in about two and a half. <laughs> um, we're actually... Uh, uh, knocking on the door of our ten-year goals now, um, uh, but we're we're expanding, we're growing so fast that we're having a hard time finding space to grow into. And fortunately, we're finally fi- found a place that we can 
can move into, but we're shortly thereafter going to have to uh, do some more, find some more space to go into. So uh, the idea is just going to be to continue to grow the company with the uh, with the right mindset, with the uh, service to the customer as well as service to our our team in mind. Nice. Uh, and they're not really an end of that. It's always going to be that next that next step to continue to grow. Um, yeah, if we can just continue to have people that are that are like minded like us, that they want to uh, come into a company where they want to enjoy the enjoy the company, they want to work hard, but they want to take care of the, the person standing next to them, then uh, I think we'll we'll grow well for the years to come. Awesome. Very cool. So if people want to learn more about you guys, uh, what's your website? GACentralElectrical.com. Um, as I said before, our biggest issue right now is finding people. So if anybody wants a job, you put an application in. It's the very first thing that pops up. Right. Um, uh, if there's anybody we're a commercial industrial electrical contractor, um, we specialize in service, but we do have a, we do, uh, have a lighting division. Um, so if anybody wants to get in touch with us, they go to that website and they'll find all the information they need. Uh, and then my email address is mlail at gacentralelectrical.com and they can email me at any time. Very cool. All right. I will make sure I have those links in the show notes. And yeah, anybody looking for a job in the South Atlanta area, um, check out Georgia Central Electrical. Very cool. Good job. All right. Um, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely forward this uh, episode to your family, friends, colleagues. Share it with them as much as possible. And uh, yeah, stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me. Coach Harlan saying so long for now. <laughs>